Welcome to the Players Podcast. This is your host, Coach Noza. The Players Podcast is brought to you by the Salem Hoops Project. The Salem Hoops Project provides free basketball training to kids in Northeast Salem, Oregon. It's our firm conviction that no child should be limited from athletic opportunity due to financial limitations. For more information, visit the SalemHootsProject.org. Now on to the show. You were typically the smallest player on the court, but at the same time, you were usually the best player on the court too. What kind of steps did you take to gain this confidence? Was it more your skill development? Was it more knowledge of the game or was it confidence? Was it a combination of all three? How'd this happen? I think it had to start with uh, being competitive. So me being competitive, it just made, I had to learn stuff faster being small. So I couldn't make as many mistakes. So I had to learn how to handle the ball better. I couldn't, if I couldn't get my shot off, I had to learn how to space out. So it was like, I just kept learning and I kept studying the game. So being small, uh, I learned that making mistakes, I wouldn't be on the floor at all. So I just kept working on my game. And then if I made a mistake, I was like, I can't do that again. So I just kept learning and learning. You were a younger brother too. Did you think that had anything to do with developing your competitiveness? Oh, definitely. So that's why I started playing basketball. Uh, my older brother got me into it and uh, I was playing baseball. But once he started playing basketball, then we couldn't get off the court. We were playing one on one and he's always bigger. So that was like once I started be, uh, becoming competitive. When was the first time you beat him? The first time I beat him it was until high school. Okay. <laughs> so he was uh, always about four inches, five inches taller than me. And he was strong, but he always always wanted to post me up. <laughs> so, uh, but once I beat him, I think it was what going into my junior year, and after that, he could never beat me again. That that was the same for me. I couldn't beat my brother till maybe like my senior year in high school. He just gave me the business, but that helped me just playing against him all the time. And I'm sure it helped you too because your brother was a pretty good player as well. Yeah. One thing I remember about you was like we'd go to the hoop quite a bit. And you would always ask to play. And, like, that was one thing I look back on myself I wish I had in me was just to go up to people and ask them, let's play ones, let's play this. Is that something that, like, you had to learn or was it just, like, you just wanted to play that bad? I mean, I was playing against myself. <laughs> so, like, once I seen someone else there, I was like, oh, let me go challenge him. Let me go challenge this guy. And it was this. Because I was at the gym. I remember getting dropped off uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning when my dad went to work and wouldn't get picked up until he got – got done with work so I was there at the gym all day so it just became something my habits and then we became friends after you usually play one-on-one so it's just something I just always wanted to do and always want to work on my game and then go try it out on someone else. Seeing now what this generation's going with you know everybody has trainers and a lot of more AAU tournaments going on now do you think this is lost in the younger generation because I think you know from what I've seen kids are less likely just to go ask somebody to play one-on-one. I think now kids, uh, they don't know what to do when they're by themselves. So I see a lot of kids in the gym, and they they think they're getting shots up, but they're not going game speed. They're not – unless someone's telling them. So I used to work on my defense without anybody telling me just because I knew I needed to get better. I haven't seen – I work in the gym, so I haven't seen any kid just out there just working on defense. He's usually coming in, doing some dribbling, maybe shoot around. He got his 45 minutes in, and he's out. So it just – the generation's a lot different with that uh but just with playing yeah the open gyms I remember just trying to go find an open gym 
And nowadays, kids play one on one or two on two, but they don't really play that hard. Yeah, without like without people around watching, it's hard for them to turn to competitiveness. Looking back to how you developed as a player, what two or three things you think gave you the most value? Like if you were to tell somebody who wants to be the best they can be, you know, you have so many things you can do. What are the things you look back and say, I'm really glad I did those things? I think I broke down my own game. So uh, I studied my own game. Like if I need to become a shooter, I worked on my shot every day. Uh, I worked on a lot of stuff that just helped me with uh, trying to win. I think that was the biggest thing. It's like, how, how am I going to get the team to win? So I learned how picking up defense, full court. How are you going to pick up full court and be a scorer? All right, you got to get your uh, conditioning in. So that's what I just studied, like little stuff like that. Just like, all right, do I need to be a better passer? Am I getting the ball at the guy's hands or at his feet? So a lot of kids think they're good passers, but sometimes it's down to their feet. Just like little stuff like that made me a better player. Uh, something else that I always thought was interesting was the opportunity you were given early on. You you played varsity as a sophomore, and pretty much right away, you became the guy. I mean, you had some older guys in that team that might have had more experience, and maybe coming in this season, they were the leaders of the team. But by the end of the year, I mean, the ball was in your hands, and then your junior and senior year, I mean, you ran the show for the team. How did you earn that confidence from Coach Havercroft as a smaller player and as a young guy? Uh, just again, just he seen the spark I brought on the team. So when I first started uh, in my sophomore year, it wasn't until a couple of games, I think we went to Les Schwab, then I got the chance to start against Benson. Uh, and it was just the spark I brought. Everybody was, we just wanted to keep the flow going with the team. So being a point guard, you have to be a leader. And I think I just think my confidence was everybody just followed. And I th- as being a sophomore and seniors following you, I think uh, the coach seen that as well. Were there any times when maybe he was, maybe more hesitant or maybe you thought he had a short leash with you or was this kind of instant like when you started performing that he was able to say, I trust you? Um, he always told me I was over dribbling. <laughs> so, I mean, that was a short leash. And uh, but once he understood what I was trying to do, I think we kind of bumped heads a couple of times, but he kind of fell back once he seen the success where the team was coming. Were you more of a player that kind of – Ran the offense the coach wanted, or did you, did you have times where you where you kind of directed the show on the court? That was the biggest thing with Coach Havercroft. He gave me the the keys, man. So he let me do basically what I wanted, but he'd break it down. That's what we need here and there. But during the game, I mean, I didn't I didn't look over to the bench and like, what do we need to run? I was kind of push first, try to score first. If we don't have anything, let's run the offense. Let's get it going. But I was always trying to. I was always picking up full court. I don't think he ever told me to pick up full court. I just wanted to. So it was just, uh, he really just gave me, gave me the keys and I just ran with it. And he, uh, it's, the coaches kind of make the player. So if mm-hmm. you, coach has confidence in you, you have so much confidence in yourself. And he let me take a lot of shots that considered bad shots, but he had confidence in that I was making them. So that's the, the key about everything about good players. Their coach usually has their back. Was that something that was the difference between your first two years in college versus versus going to Portland State? Because obviously you had the ability to perform at a high level, and maybe there was some some lack of trust from the coach at University of Portland. But when you got to Portland State, it was kind of the same situation where Coach Bone said, "This is your team, Jeremiah." Was that kind of the case? No, I mean I was behind Pooh Jeter, who got to play in the NBA. Who's Solid still player. Playing. 
Yeah, so he's still playing now. I think he just left to China. But when I went to college, I was weighing 135. <laughs> so it was just more of a strength factor for me. Uh, I had the skills. I had to work on my jumper a lot. Uh, that was the biggest key for me. Just my IQ was there, but just being physical and knocking down shots. Like, that's the biggest thing about college. If you're open, you got to knock down shots because there's guys on the bench. They're all shooters. So then when I got to Portland State, uh, I was a junior by then, and I was I was ready to uh, take over a team. And Coach Bone, he, he let me right off the bat. <laughs> he sure so did. He, yeah, so it was good. Yeah, that was fun to watch. What are some of the biggest differences? You talked about the strength, obviously, but for somebody who's transitioning from high school to college and, you know, the best player on the high school team and the kind of use of things being that way and then getting to college – everybody's pretty talented no matter what level of team you're playing on. What are some of the mental aspects you have to work on adjusting to? Yeah, you got to be mentally strong. Uh, Cause I got player of the year, the year before I went to UP. So I was coming off that, whatever. State was, title. State title. Yeah. yeah. I was going to college. I was like, all right, I'm going to go start. No, it doesn't happen that way. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody was the Oregon player of the year, uh, California player of the year, Washington. So it was like, I had to wait my turn, basically. And some guys waited their turn, just sitting on the bench talking. I was studying the game. I was seeing what Pujetter was doing. I was seeing what the other guys were doing, how strong he was, how fast. And then after the game, I was going, I stayed in the gym. And that's what I think led me to be successful after those two years uh, at UP. Because I just stayed in the gym and just learned, learned, learned. Um, and just kept growing from that. Were you somebody that watched a lot of games like on TV or or trying to get old old game film or were you more the type to squat and play? Yeah, I could watch a game, but I, it would just motivate me just to go keep playing. Like I'd be at the hoop and then I see like first quarter, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go work on that. And then that's basically, I just wanted to be on the court and just have the ball in my hand. Uh, they used to always get mad at me in the concession stand for dribbling the ball. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I was more of a player. I always wanted to play pickup. I used to play pickup probably five, six days a week. And that was like my biggest thing. Something that I'm always interested in asking people about is because AAU is such a big thing right now and kids are playing a lot of tournaments, I don't see them playing as much pickup at a high level. Maybe like pickup with their friends and they're kind of messing around. But for me, one of the biggest things that helped me get better was playing against older people and people that have played college basketball at a high level. What would you recommend to players? Like, obviously, there's a need for AU for certain things, but should they sacrifice a few tournaments and a few seasons of practices with AU teams to get some of that quality pickup experience? Definitely. I think kids right now are worried about rankings. Fourth and fifth grade, you shouldn't be worried about rankings. Parents should be worried about development. Uh, are they being in the right spot? Learning about spacing, little things. Because everybody nowadays can jump, dunk. They have all the drills, so now it's about more about basketball IQ to me. Uh, so you can have your basketball IQ, you can play on any team. Because, like you said, there's going to be stars. They're going to be – some players are going to be role players. And it's a lot of parents are like, well, my kid's not a role player. He's this. And like, no, he's not that good. But at the same time, I think the parents have to learn it and the kids have to learn that they just want to go out and play. You talk about watching Pujetter and some of these other players – what specifically can kids look for to help their IQ? Like, what what are you looking for when you're watching a player to try to learn from them? 
I look at the time and score. What is he doing when we're down? What is he trying to do? Every time we are down, I would try to take over. That's what the kind of players I follow, like Iverson, when they, they need everything. They need steals. Uh, that's what kind of just the player that I wanted to be. And I was looking at other players that, okay, he's not doing that. That's where I come in. If I come off the bench, okay, I could bring this. I could bring that kind of energy. Okay. I can pass the ball, move without the ball. So just kind of stuff, easy stuff, not like all the crossovers, all the passes, not that kind of stuff, just more of like how to win. That's always been my thing. It's like how can we win? Uh, how can we get an easy bucket? That's the biggest thing for nowadays. Like kids don't know how to get an easy bucket. They need 10 dribbles just to score. So that's more of the stuff I was watching. As a point guard, what were some of the things you looked for in the flow of the game on when it was time for you to take over and maybe kind of freelance a bit versus sticking to what the team practiced during practices? So, like, being a point guard, the first thing you do when you get the ball is look up. Can we get an easy bucket? Uh, second thing is time and score. You know what the score is. Do we need a bucket right now? Uh, and another thing is, like, where's the mismatch? Do I have the mismatch? Uh, does the post have mismatch? So that's the three things I was looking at uh, when I had the ball in my hands. So mostly every time I try to score, I was trying to go for a layup or a three. If I couldn't have that, they, someone took away because usually I could get a layup. So I try and figure out uh, where's the help coming from. So once I started figuring that stuff out, the game became really easy and slow because I knew where all the people were coming. This guy's going to come help over here. In addition to the corner, just like simple stuff like that, it's good for point guards just to, to understand in their head. Most point guards just get the ball and they're trying to go score, but maybe they don't need a bucket. So just little stuff like that. You were pretty dominant in high school, and when you watch high school games now, like there's no posts, the middle's wide open. Do you feel like you would have just your numbers would have been even higher now? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I watched a couple high school games this year. Uh, yeah, there's no posts. A lot of just ISOs and one-on-one. Uh, yeah, I would have done pretty good. Uh, if we had our shot clock, I think that would have been huge for Oregon. <laughs> yeah. Because I know the games were 40 to 42. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, scoring was never a factor for me. It just always winning. Always wanted to win. Mm-hmm. Even if I scored two points or I scored 40, it didn't really matter as long as we won. So for players who are undersized and maybe are facing some challenges, whether that's whether that's the playing ability or whether that's earning the trust from the coach, what kind of advice do you have for undersized players? Undersized players have to be crafty. You have to, uh, you have to be very crafty. You have to be able to space because you have to get that extra space being undersized. So you got to learn about spacing. So if this guy's six five, his arm's going to go out this far. So you have to understand how to get your shot off against six five guys. That's what my biggest thing. I was like, all right, if I get my shot off against a 6'5 guy, I get my shot off anybody. So I learned about spacing really well and just about that, the floor, how it's spaced out. So if you have the floor spaced out, you can tell guys uh, where to go and it helps you out. So, Who were some of the guys when you were a kid that you looked at and you said, I want to play like them? My, I, was, uh, I was an Iverson fan. I had the cornrows. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, yeah, so I was Iverson because he, he could take over just with defense. And his offense was always there. But once he had his bad games, he'd pick it up on the defensive end. So I was always – I just – I loved that because he had that – I call it the dog in you. And you have that dog in you. And he always had that. Um, who else? 
Isaiah Thomas. Uh, nowadays, Kyrie, he has that. But I don't know about the defense end, but he has the offense end. <laughs> if you were talking to a kid who was in high school now, maybe going into college, and you were going to recommend a few players and a few teams to watch as far as basketball IQ goes, like watch this guy and the way he plays or watch this team and the way they play, who would you recommend? Uh, right now, I mean, college basketball is kind of just open. I wouldn't say watch the NBA because that's more one-on-one. Uh, college, I just tell them to watch college basketball and just pick the team that you want to play on and focus on your style of game. If you're on a fast-paced game, watch Oregon. I mean, just like you want to slow it down, watch Stanford or somebody. Like for me, it's more uh, what I could do instead of just put myself in someone's a point guard's shoes. Like, oh, can I do that? Can I run? Or is this the tempo I want to run? And then for kids, I don't think they understand what their game is yet. And I just tell them to understand your game and put yourself in those kids' shoes. So that's the biggest thing, advice. Uh, for kids that how hard are you working are you working to be division one so I could tell you what to do and most kids like oh, okay y'all do that they'll do it for two days and then like I was like on the third day I'm like are you still doing it it's like no I'm gonna take today off it's like there's no days <laughs> off <laughs> so division one division two just you just got to be real with yourself how, how bad do you want it break that down a little bit because you were a guy that put a lot into your game I mean, you were, like you said, you were in the gym a lot, but you weren't just in the gym. You were working at your game and you were challenging people to get better. If you were to give a player some advice or some guidance for the off season, let's say season gets done in March and they got however many months till the season begins, what would you tell them? Like, this is what you should be doing from then until then. Um, I'll give you my summer workout, what I used to do uh, when I was in college. So I used to wake up before anybody. I used to run to this yellow house, touch it, and run back. It was two miles. Try to run as fast as I could every single day. Just doing that and knowing other guys were sleeping, I was like, all right, I got a little bit of advantage today. Then I'd go hit my weights. Uh, so I knew I needed to get stronger. I'd do that about for an hour. Right after that, get my shots up. I could do about a five spot, each uh, twos and threes, and probably get some free throws in. Then I'd grab lunch, take a nap. Then I get up, either I go work out with a Beano uh, or go to open gym. Then at night, I just get be an individual work. And that was like a daily thing I did every single day. So just doing that and being consistent with it, my game just kept elevating, kept elevating. What were some of the things you did for your ball handling? Because you were an exceptional ball handler and you weren't just born that way. You, you probably had to practice that quite a bit. What were some of the things you did? I didn't really uh, have drills like the kids do now. I was mm -hmm. just sitting stationary, dribbling a thousand times. I was just dribbling the ball, uh, walked to the store, I had a ball in my hand, dribbling, going between the legs. Uh, never had cones. I just always thought of players in my head doing dribbling moves. I think if I would have done all those drills, I'd be a little bit better. But I was more game-ready handles than nice, flashy handles. Like, here, throw them the ball, do this move. I'm like, I probably can't do that, but I can do this move and I know it's going to work. <laughs> so I just always had the ball in my hand. If I went to uh, go to school, I was dribbling on basketball. Um, that's what biggest thing for me. It's like you can dribble on the uh, concrete. There might be a rock. The ball's going to slip out of your hand. Can you grab it back and pull it back? So that's like for kids nowadays, they have all these gimmicks, whatever you want to call them, but 
just dribble the ball. Keep dribbling the ball everywhere you go. If you're a real basketball player, you have a ball in uh, your trunk, on your bike, somewhere. So A lot of the things I see, like when kids are doing these eight or nine dribble combos, like that's really cool and that's probably really hard. Do you really need that to get a shot off? And I remember from watching you play, it was like crossover between the legs to a shot. You know, it was real simple. Is that something you just learned from watching or was that something that you repped out with people? No, so my biggest thing, if you want to be a scorer, you have to be ready to score. So if I get, if you get that space, you got to be ready to shoot. So that was my biggest thing. So if I got this little bit of space, I was ready to shoot. So uh, who was I talking to? One of my buddies, I was like having this kid. I was like, just have him work on a jab step. If, a kid, if he jab steps and the kid's backs up, he has to be ready to shoot. If he's not, he's not, not going to be a scorer. So just that simple thing, just jab step and get a shot off. So just like simple stuff like that, I always – I was always ready to shoot. <laughs> so if you gave me that space, it was going up. Who were some of the toughest defenders? Maybe not even names, but people that guarded you that gave you the most problems. Was it length? Was it speed? What was what gave you the most problems? Were you like, okay, I really got to lock in here to make it happen? Baylor, when everybody was over 6'4", and they <laughs> trapped in. Uh, Individual-wise, it was never one person. Because I always knew, like, even if I didn't have to score, I was going to be able to create some, something else for somebody else. Uh, it's just length. I mean, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guys, and being able to score against 6'5", uh, guys, it was incredible to me because I'm like, I wasn't going to let a 4'2", guy score on me. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, just just length. I mean, strength-wise, I, I liked it because they always get fouls. They just wanted to b play bully ball, but just length. What's one book every athlete needs to read? Mama Mentality. What's one habit every athlete needs to start? Waking up early. And what's one habit every athlete needs to stop? Making excuses. Let me restore the passion in golden era fashion. The dash corrupt, you'll turn me up while we print the atlas. Pray the pain won't be in vain. Pour the say the mask it. Why they kiss ask for traction? Build my own lane and lap them. Chances are they want the credit for your sacrifice. I'll hand you the patent and recreate it twice. Ready to die, you're only one and better name your price. On my 25th hour, no relation to Spike. Ask for the spike in my price. Blame the economy. You heard 444. Hope will be proud of me since 22 twos. No competition here, honestly. My mantra is supposed to pay me. Call it a prophecy. Boxing one, there's no stopping me. Word to whoever you're praying to. Cooling in the layup line. Look at what y'all made me do. Laughing at advances now. That won't even pay the dues. Y'all stacking up your rosters. Suckers always. Pay the loot.